Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. And the Advertising Show being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. You can visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show, a big radio midgets production and a very special guest today out of New York City, born and bred in New York City. Ben Wessler is president and chief executive officer of Ovation in Store. It's a leader in the design, development, and manufacture of displays and fixtures for retail merchandising environments. A lot of cool stuff on the website. We'll tell you more about Ben. We'll get him on the air for uh, this hour and next hour on the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Uh, in just a few minutes, we have Joe Jaffe checking in. Uh, ESPN features for sale. Would you pay for something? Would you prefer to get it for free? <laughs> it's Joe Jaffe's different perspective. We've got uh, Patrick Meyer next hour. Jeffrey Ginnimer. Uh, Andy Borowitz is talking about NCAA's March Madness. And Brad, they're having a problem with the name of that, so... Uh, that'll be good as well. Hmm. And uh, in this particular day, in next hour, actually, uh, Bruce Abbott, our executive producer, actually smells good today. He's wearing Why? a new fragrance, okay? Hmm. So we do that. And we've got uh, the advertising showcase as well. He has uh, a child a now. He, he has does. a baby. He yeah. has a baby. He doesn't get any you, sleep anymore. Well, and then why is he smelling good? That, is, that should go hand in hand, shouldn't it? Uh, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, you know, we're going to be able to talk with uh, Ben today, our guest, uh, Wessler, but he being a point-of-purchase, point-of-sale specialist, I like to say that Ben is in the second oldest profession. Outdoor advertising? No, well, just, you know, point-of-sale. I'm saying that's the first one was outdoor advertising. No, no, the first one was a whole different... Not not the oldest medium, but the oldest I profession. See. Okay, okay. Yeah, you know what that is. I exactly know what that is. And, yeah. you think to, and we'll let Ben uh, comment on that when we pull yeah. him on the air. He's probably you know, saying something right now. Going, I'm not. No. Well, luckily for you and me, he's in the green room. Did you get those snacks he asked for? Yeah, they're very good, as a matter of fact. Too bad yeah. he doesn't get any. I'm surprised that he would be a Cheetos man. I, I really hadn't... Uh, Hadn't thought about that. You know, Ray, I don't know if you we, – a few weeks ago, we talked about uh, Google uh, with a new idea out uh, having to do with – it's a, a beta idea that they're tying in with uh, telephone calls, capability of having a uh, uh, search result, uh, have a phone connection uh, for the uh, the individual doing the search result, and obviously always good to be able to connect up the advertiser with the uh, interested well, certainly. Party, yeah. right? Right. Well, there's exactly. a company. Yeah, there's a company called Go uh, Go Wholesale, which is a uh, wholesale portal and comprehensive vertical search solution for business. Uh, and they announced just this past week, Ray, that they will be introducing a pay per call advertising uh, concept to their site's features. And uh, each participating advertiser will receive a toll free number and a landing page that lists their number, the products they sell business hours, et cetera, along with their logo. The advertisers will pay a flat fee for each call they receive. And according to a study, which kind of ties in with this, according to a study by the Kelsey Group, pay-per-call advertising is a market due for huge growth because of its highly effective lead-generating capability. Incoming calls are estimated. Yeah, incoming calls. This is an interesting figure, no surprise, I don't think. Incoming calls are estimated to convert to sale 
45% of the time, and the entire paper market, paper call market is expected to go from its current 60 million uh, total annual uh, figure up to a 3.7 billion, mm-hmm. with a B, in 2010. So, you know, uh, this is something that we just heard a few weeks ago, Google making an announcement, and now here we have a, another company, Go Wholesale, uh, offering the same thing, right. so I think this isn't is that, something we're going to we're going to see a lot more of. And isn't it all about specificity and accountability? Yes, always. It is. Yeah. yeah, we've got. Uh, I want to talk about the AT and T Bell South thing, which is huge. I mean, it's really huge. Like about uh, oh, I don't know, uh, four point seven billion hmm. uh, in uh, measured media. <laughs> That's big. Let's talk about that in just a minute. Joe Jaffe on the advertising show right about now. If you dare to risk seeing the world from a new point of view. Join us now for a different perspective, featuring author and new marketing consultant, Joseph Jaffe. ESPN has a great campaign for their SportsCenter product. The ad campaign is called This is SportsCenter, and the commercials are really quite good. Somewhere along that line and the whole explosion with iTunes and NBC and and ABC putting all their television products on iTunes... Some executive at ESPN thought it might be a good idea to actually charge people to watch those commercials. Within a few hours of putting those commercials on iTunes for $1.99, the reviews started to come in. They were scathingly and overwhelmingly negative. ESPN was getting consistently one star. People weren't purchasing them, but they were giving ESPN a piece of their mind and basically rebuking them on what can only be described as anything on the continuum of greed and cluelessness, and maybe both. The blogosphere got hold of this and really started to talk it up. And within one day, 24 hours, ESPN had withdrawn their very gracious and generous offer of asking us to part with $2 of our hard-earned income in exchange for the privilege to be able to watch their commercials. Those commercials were now free, and the reviews were now overwhelmingly positive. Four and a half to five stars out of five. On one hand, you can look back at this as another half-hearted attempt and really misdirected attempt to understand the opportunities that emerge from new marketing. But on the other hand, full credit to ESPN for recognizing their mistake and being able to rectify it in short notice. This has been A Different Perspective. Featuring Joseph Jaffe, president of new marketing consulting practice Jaffe LLC and author of Life After the 30-Second Spot. That's the advertising show. Good stuff. You know, Brad, uh, regarding uh, uh, pay-per-view type stuff like that, uh, the ESPN stuff, you know, CNN a long time ago uh, gave us the opportunity to pay or I think it was called a news pass, something like that. And uh, then that went away, and then they were starting free uh, news, you know, news broadcast with uh, mm-hmm. lots of commercials. You know, you get a lot of frequency when you click on uh, in the same day. And now they're back to selling something called Pipeline, and they're charging people again for it again. And I just think that's really, I don't know, that's stupid. I, I'd much prefer to watch a short 30-second commercial as opposed to pay Mm-hmm. For uh, you know, for for uh, checking in with the news, how do you feel about that? I couldn't agree more. I, I, is that going? Is that online? I assume, right? It's CNN online. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You know, uh, who is it? Uh, hmm, I'm going to have to think about this. There's a, a website, very well known website. I've got a thousand things in front of me here, so it's it's going to come to me later. But uh, I believe it's Slate 
but uh, there are, are companies out there, web, web-based uh, uh, content providers, news and other information, that just simply say, hey, uh, you can pay for this uh, article or you can watch an announcement. And as you point out, Ray, I, w- I like you, would uh, happily uh, watch an announcement. And I think advertisers would you know, appreciate the fact that a uh, voluntary click-on to watching an announcement has greater value than shoving it in their face in other, other uh, media channels. You're doggone so. right. I think it's a great thing. We didn't talk about AT&T Bell South, but we'll get to it uh, later on this hour. Uh, right now, we're going to bring on Ben Wessler in uh, actually just a minute. So stay with us. Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth are here at the Advertising Show. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. I'm Ewell Gibbons. Many consider me an expert on natural foods like cattails. Yes, they're edible. I look for natural ingredients in my food. That's why grape nuts is part of my brand. Cattails still kill you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> on The Advertising Show, Ray Shillins, Brad Forsyth, mm-hmm. and our special guest is Ben Wessler out of New York, President and CEO, Ovation In-Store. It's a leader in design, development, and manufacturer displays, fixtures for retail, uh, merchandising environments. Ben founded the company, believe it or not, back in 75. And as Ben and I spoke, uh, things have changed dramatically since then. Display Systems, Inc. And has since served clients including Kellogg's, L'Oreal, Kmart, Revlon, Gillette, Reebok, Coca-Cola, Calvin Klein, and uh, numerous other major corporations. He has held or filed 15 patents in display design arena and uh, is a former director of the Point of Purchase Advertising Institute, not to be confused with the DeVry Institute, okay? So, out of New York, welcome. Welcome to the show, Ben. It's great to have you here. Thank you. It's good to be here. Yeah, and uh, Ben, you changed the name from Display Systems, uh, Inc., to uh, now Ovation in Store, certainly a more contemporary-sounding uh, name. This is the uh, shameless pl- uh, plug portion of the show. I'm going to get you give you a chance to share with our uh, audience, if you would, Ben, just a little background on Ovation in Store and exactly what your company does. Well, about five years ago, we, we had been a major factor in the point-of-purchase display business, and that is POP display programs, uh, branded fixture programs. And about five years ago, we started to develop some new technologies for what is known as remotely updatable digital signage, uh, along with other interactive technologies. We felt that developing our own software systems and, uh, and our own technologies would help us because we needed to be able to take what we saw coming down the road and be able to manipulate it into the point-of-purchase displays and the fixtures that we were designing for our clients. What happened as a result is is there was a sea change in our business, and display systems no longer suited the company. Both of my children are in the business, and I think that they are um, certainly going to take it over, and I, I wanted them to make it their own brand, their own company, and take it to the next level. So that was the reason for the name change. Yeah, uh, and give me that uh, term again, remote updatable signage. Remotely updatable digital signage. Yeah. What that is 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 we provide content, a stream of content, to a flat screen, 
that is built into one of our displays. And from a central station, we can manipulate that content, change that content, uh, provide training to store employees via our, our system, and constantly work with the new products that are developed and get them help, help our clients get them to market faster and, and ultimately less expensively. Well, you're the ideal person for this question uh, regarding digital signage. The, the whole digital signage idea from the use of video in stores and mm-hmm. other, uh, other venues has been around for a while now, as far back as when little TV sets had VCRs showing video loops. So take us, if you will, Ben, through a historical perspective of digital signage and in-store merchandising. Well, what's, what's happened is, first of all, simply by design, the advent of the flat screen, no, no matter what the technology is, has enabled has enabled manufacturers to and, and designers actually to incorporate screen systems into store design because they're flat, they're easy to work with, they don't take up much room. So, from a design perspective, these these things make an awful lot of sense. Whether they're plasma screens or LCD screens, that part really really doesn't matter. In the beginning of this whole period, uh, what you would get was a, was a was a videotape or a or a DVD, and it would be repetitive content. You couldn't change it, you couldn't update it, you couldn't do much with it. And after a while, all it became was noise, and so the retailers got rid of it because sure. it really wasn't something that a manufacturer could be proactive with. As technology has evolved software has evolved, the incorporation of software systems into screen systems, which is common technology, but manipulated to to enable a brand or a retailer to constantly update its content. This this has really been the sea change, and whether it's a retail-driven program or a brand-driven program, without question, it, it is the future of signage and communication, I should say, at retail. Well, what, what do you, uh, you know, let, let's imagine that you're going into a situation where you're retrofitting, if you will, and not able to design from the ground up these flat screens that you're talking about. Do you run into any uh, challenges with regard to, I guess, uh, energy uh, outlets being available in, in older stores, but yet still uh, viable retail channels that you'd like to uh, see your, your uh, screens getting in front of these customers? Well, you know, it's interesting. It's an interesting question, but because we are... First and foremost, a design solutions company, a display company, uh, we have the ability to create the kind of housings and the kind of mechanics that will allow us to come in with an add-on or a bolt-on system, which can go onto an existing display and become part of a wireless network, because all of our stuff is delivered over the internet. Mm-hmm. So, so we then we, we provide the content via a phone line. And that content is then, through wireless mechanism, delivered to the screen. And the only thing you need, and occasionally it's a problem, but more and more retailers... It's a power cord. The power cord. <laughs> you know, but you'll find in most retail stores it's available, or if it's important enough to the brand, to the manufacturer, they'll, they'll pay the money to run the line. So it and makes I, it not a big deal, then? It's not that big a deal. Right. You know, yeah, we've been doing this for five years... 
and we've been experimenting with it and developing it, and it has gotten easier and easier for us to get. I, I think the cool part is the fact that you're doing it wirelessly as well. I mean, that's got to be a- easy to update and uh, easy to change, right? It most certainly is. The content is delivered. What, what happens with these screens is, this is that they call in late at night, you know, three o'clock in the morning. They call our central server, and they they identify themselves and they ask if there is any new information for them. The central server will say yes or no. If the answer is yes, it will deliver the new programs, the new content. The next morning, that screen automatically turns itself on at whatever time it's set for and is delivering new content or training information for an on-floor sales force. Wow. It's, it's, pretty, it's really cool. As a matter of fact, you know, on that note, we used, to, we used to address an assignment with, okay, we're going to do a design solution. Today, when we have a creative meeting and we begin a process, the comment is usually either from the client or from us. Wouldn't it be cool if? Wow. And technology is allowing us to really deliver the if. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's an amazing thing to me. That ought to be the tagline of your company. <laughs> well, it's be one of them, actually. <laughs> this is good. Hey, uh, we're going to take a break here. Our uh, special guest today is uh, we have uh, Ben Wessler, founder of Ovation In-Store. Uh, OvationAdvantage.com. It's a really cool website. Everybody from uh, Reebok to uh, Neutrogena, the Fisher Price as well, Brad. This is uh, cool stuff. But Jeffrey Gittimer is coming up next here on the Advertising Show. And uh, today he's going to talk about powerful lead-in questions, which is, I guess, what we're asking today, Brad. Uh, powerful lead-in questions. More on the Advertising Show as well, too. Hey, by the way, go to the AdvertisingShow.com. It's a great resource. There's the podcast and RSS feeds, uh, courtesy of our friends at Shipple.com. Ed Shipple and his team are incredible in terms of web marketing, and you've got to go check it out. It's S-C-H-I-P-U-L.com. Go there, okay? We'll be back in just a minute with more of uh, Ben and Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth on The Advertising Show at TheAdvertisingShow.com. Quick takes on sales and customer relations with Jeffrey Gittimer, nationally syndicated columnist in the network of city business journals and other great publications worldwide. If you're offended by common sense commentary, don't you dare listen. Now, here's Jeffrey. Let me share with you the most powerful lead-in to a question. When you begin a question with the phrase, what's been your experience with? Prospects turn into wisdom providers instead of information providers. Instead of giving them your wisdom, buyers would like you a whole lot more when you ask for their wisdom. Unfortunately, salespeople think they have to educate the buyer. Nothing could be further from the truth. Buyers don't want education. They want answers. Your questions set the stage for the buying process. Now, you may think of it as the selling process, but you're thinking wrong. Your job is to set the buying tone by engaging the prospect intellectually and emotionally. And when you begin with what's been your experience, you're going to get both. Quick takes on sales and customer relations from The Advertising Show, the only radio show in America featuring Jeffrey Gittimer as a regular weekly guest. To learn more about his books, tapes, CDs, and speaking engagements, log on to Gittimer.com, G-I-T-O-M-E-R.com. 
And tune in next week when we'll hear Jeffrey say, This is Jeffrey Gittimer reminding you that if no one responds to your ad, it may be because your ad sucks. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. Hey, how about a nice Hawaiian punch? Sure. You taste seven kinds of fruit in Hawaiian punch. Seven kinds of fruit in Hawaiian punch. Certainly, and I'll have some rum with that, please. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> Advertising show, Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth, out of New York this weekend. It's Ben Wessler, founder of Ovation in Store. OvationAdvantage.com is the website. And, uh, Ben, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, enough fundamentals now. We're going to get real specific and drill down on some uh, really good in-depth uh, information here because, Ben, you are the man to know all about this. And certainly, uh, you didn't mention this, Ray, but his company has 165 employees. I just got a call from a disgruntled employee. That'll be 164 from here on out. But uh, consumers, uh, Ben, today are engaged so much with screens uh, throughout their day, cell phone screens, computer screens, in-car uh, screens, uh, screens on elevators, as you well know. Absolutely. Uh, I'm curious, does, does it come to a point in time when consumers are not as likely to respond uh, to, uh, because the novelty tends to wear off and, and signage becomes more commonplace? Is there a risk of this? Well, you know, that, that, that also is a very interesting question. I see that as a problem, but not in the near future. Um, I think that, that certainly as, as a brand marketer, I know that a consumer needs to make decisions and makes most of his buying decisions in-store. I want to get my message communicated as quickly and as accurately as possible. And, and consumers today work with screens constantly. They're involved with screens. They, they work on computers. They get information from their cell phones. They, they, they've been watching television for 60 Odd years, and so I think that the expectation is that a screen delivers information to me. I either engage with it in an inter- interactive way, or I view it. I get my retail message quickly. I understand it. It's certainly more interesting than a than a static sign. And you know, um, it, it, I think at some point. If you're not communicating with technology and you're not communicating with screens, you're going to be viewed as old school. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I, you know, as, as screens do become more ubiquitous, uh, does the solution to uh, becoming more commonplace, is that found more in the creative message itself, or does it become really the mechanism or the device or the delivery mechanism for the message, or is it a little of both? Well, I think that, you know, without question, uh, the, the old saw... Content is king. Technology without the right content is just a piece of technology. So I think that how you deliver it and what you deliver it on is just purely mechanics. It's what you do with that in in terms of the content that makes it intriguing for the consumer, whether it's a a, a unit uh, similar to one that we do for Docker's Pants, you know, where we're with limited sales help. Uh, you know, we can we can provide a customer with information on the entire line of Docker's clothing, and they can drill down to what shirt matches, what size, what sizes is it available in, et cetera, et cetera. We'll even, we'll even help them with color matching. 
So if you want to engage and be interactive with the screen, you can. If you want to be passive and just get some information or quick entertainment, you can do that as well. Are there any two-way conversations, for instance, with uh, webcams or anything like that out there? Well, we, we, ha- we have done that, actually. We have a program that in, in it's not a webcam program, but it's a program that we do for the Biotherm company where a consumer who is getting a makeover in a, in a Biotherm spa or a Biotherm store is being is looking in a mirror and she is being filmed or taped rather while this makeover is happening it's wow. all being downloaded into a computer there's a wall of screens which we call the wall of fame and when that makeover is completed that consumer is then integrated into that wall of fame and becomes part of the whole biotherm story for that day that's mind-boggling it's 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 it makes it really makes retail and it's going to keep making retail much more interesting, and brands and retailers need the help. You know, I would think for uh, Ben and digi- uh, digital signage, in-store digital signage, that uh, it eventually becomes a chicken and egg question as to, you know, are the brand manufacturers the early adopters? Are the retail outlets receptive to this uh, this type of uh, idea? I mean, obviously a brand manufacturer is interested in distribution of the message. The retail, I know in most cases, from what I understand, uh, from the business model standpoint, Ben, there's some revenue sharing going on between companies like yourself and the retail outlet. Share with us just kind of an overview of the model and how that works. Well, that that model is kind of like the Walmart model. You know, that that's the big revenue sharing idea. There are television screens there or flat screens there. The the there's advertising that is sold by a company that represents Walmart, and um, and the, and that is a revenue sharing model. Uh, it's really a media play, and it isn't exactly what we do. We started specifically working for the brands because that, that's our business model and those are the people that we know. So our whole our systems were designed to be brand specific and, and our technology, our mechanics are um, are all miniaturized so that we can build a computerized touch screen interactive touch screen system with this remotely updatable digital signage signage product integrated into it and we can build this into a display that actually is on a floor and holds product. So, so that was our initial foray, and um, and initially the brands drove it. What we are finding now is that retailers are partnering more with the brands in these efforts because it's certainly upgrading the stores and the ability to communicate and message in the stores, another great area for us and an area that we're becoming very successful in. Back in just a minute with more on The Advertising Show. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. A woman here? Never. A woman's world has really grown. Most places now she calls around. It's the advertising show. Ray Schillens, Brad Forsyth, and uh, Ben is a kind of a neat guy. He's got uh, a really cool cutting edge technology. OvationAdvantage.com is the website. We get Ben back next hour. Still to come this hour, though, we've got uh, the uh, the uh, advertising showcase. It's not bad. It's good this week. So that'll be mm-hmm. nice to hear that. You know, earlier this hour, I mentioned uh, the AT and T. 
Bell South merger, mm-hmm. which if you and I both remember when they broke up, all that right. stuff. So it's like, nah, we'll let them go back together. The proposed $67 billion acquisition of Bell South has far-reaching ramifications, I'll say, for spending in the telecommunications category, now at nearly $6 billion. Uh, AT&C said it's acquiring Bell South, its partner in Singular Wireless, uh, to create a new market leader with designs not on uh, just telecommunications but also the Internet and the uh, television business as well. How very interesting. Acquisition in the short term will likely fuel the uh, category's media spending. Uh, short-term spending spree in 04, the top seven cell phone providers spent $4.7 billion in measured media, and uh, I guess it's going to be more now. Hmm. A lot more. What's old is new again. Yeah. Could it be long before uh, Clear Channel just has one radio station, San Antonio? <laughs> no. Just one radio? You mean one radio station, United and States? Based in San... Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, it's actually the uh, TV Guide Channel. Certainly we all you know like to tune into the TV Guide Channel, right, Ray? Uh, well, yeah. they announced earlier this week that it's live red carpet pre-show. Uh, the Academy Awards, uh, hosted by Joan and Melissa Rivers, delivered the channel's strongest ratings year-to-date with a 972,000 viewer achievement. Uh, oh, really? tune-in growth, uh, tune-in growth among female ages 18 to 34, key audience, of course, for TV Guide, uh, increased 76% over last year's. I saw an ad for, uh, Joan and Melissa Rivers, uh, upcoming red carpet, uh, show, and I must tell you, uh, it is, Unbelievable what uh, what kind of touch up you can do in photography because Joan Rivers looked like her face looked regular. Hey, photography. <laughs> no, but I got to tell you, <laughs> I've often said here on the show that somebody that happens to be in the uh, skydiving business needs to hire Joan Rivers to do their commercials because she looks like she's. When she's just standing still, she looks like she's flying out of a planet at 500, you know, miles per hour because her face is all, I mean, I feel sorry for that, that lady because, you know, she had a little work earlier on in her career, but now she looks like one of those, uh, those people that are on those talk shows that they can't, you know, keep themselves from going back to the plastic surgeon over and over again. It's a disease. <laughs> yeah, it really is, and it's scary. As I, do, as I recall, she hasn't had her lips blown up yet, and I'm very happy about that, okay? <laughs> the kind well, you know, the reason... The reason that you usually take they take fat out of your rear end and she put it in there. End, That's so the reason she fat. she don't want to use anybody else's fat. <laughs> That's the problem. You really can't. Or she would have the injections. That's true. You're probably right. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about uh, free television downloads uh, as opposed to wanting to pay for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the broadcast networks like ABC selling some of their most popular shows on iTunes for a buck ninety nine. And apparently, uh, and, and we've talked about this, but a new study found that most consumers would be willing to watch an ad if the sponsor picked up the cost of the show. Well, that makes sense to me. And mm-hmm. if that model becomes the standard, more would be interested in buying a video iPod. You know, Brad, they brought down... Do, do you want an iPod? I don't. I do, I do not, but I'm going to. Okay. Well, you might think about a video iPod, according to Ed Shipley. I would do that. Cheap. It's a tax write-off. Go get one. I would do the video. I wouldn't just go audio if I so, were to buy one. Well, what they're saying is uh, the survey explored attitudes toward video iPods, found that 54% of respondents would be more likely to purchase an iPod if TV programs could be downloaded free of charge in exchange for watching a 30-second advertisement. What's Hmm. wrong with that? I don't know. Among those actually planning to uh, purchase a video iPod, 
72% say they would be more likely to download a television program in exchange for watching an ad. The, uh, the Magid study uh, surveyed 798 iPod owners between the ages of 12 and 55. Uh, Frank Magid uh, conducted the study. They've been doing studies for a long time, as a matter of fact. So it, that's real interesting. So you're thinking about getting a video iPod, huh? Uh, if yes, and, and I just I know this for sure. If I were to get one, and I have been thinking about it, it would be the the video capable as well. You know, the video just is just adds to the audio, sure. as opposed to the old versions that were audio only. But yeah, I, th- I would get a video. Uh, video iPod. I think that's really the way it's going to go, and I think one day it will come that way automatically. Sure. Something to yeah. look forward to. As much as we enjoy talking with uh, with uh, Ben about all of the new technology and advertising in store, uh, and, and again, we, he founded his company in 1975. Back in 1975, you had cardboard and foam core. Maybe, right. right? That's about it. So things have changed a little bit. We've got the, uh, the advertising showcase on the way, and then a whole other hour of the advertising show to, uh, to enjoy. And we hope you'll stay with us here. Theadvertisingshow.com, great place to go to to find out everything about advertising you ever wanted to know. Go check it out. Simplifying the complex world of advertising. To reach Ray and Brad with your questions, log on to theadvertisingshow.com. This is The Advertising Show. There's nothing like the face of a kid eating a Hershey bar. And that's not to say that we don't uh, like to feed our children uh, Hershey bars and such like that, you know. Candy's good. <laughs> Just watch how much you eat, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're having a lot of problems with uh, with advertising uh, for kids, and I've got a note on that somewhere. I'll find it, and we'll talk about it later. Marketing moderation or- moderation is the key, right, Ray? Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, absolutely, it's right. You, you eat more than you burn, you gain weight. Bada bing. <laughs> Marketing junk food to young children. It's apparently uh, upfront advertising for kids' uh, um, products is causing some concern. Uh, every week we look at the upside and the downside of advertising. This is not to bash anybody or say you know nasty things. It's just a... Uh, perspective from uh, from our perspective, and uh, this week we are looking at the good side. So here it is. And now it's time for the advertising show's advertising showcase, an outstanding example of on-target advertising for the good stuff. Here's Ray and Brad. What do you have there? I have a good advertising. Yes, you do. Yeah. What is it? Well, by the way, we got a nice note from Leo Burnett, uh, executive, the other day on a, uh, a feature that we did, uh, a advertiser showcase feature that we did with one of their clients, uh, and I just wanted to thank them for that nice note. Uh, Academy Awards last Sunday. I'm yeah. sure. Did you watch Ray? Sure did. Yeah. Sure did. Uh, so did 39 million other viewers. And, uh, you know, the advertising, well, with the exception of a handful of new spots, uh, most of the spots had aired before, nothing really all that exciting, except for one particular standout. And I was not going to do – I had another uh, another advertiser showcase lined up for this week, and uh, actually it was a bad advertising. And I saw this spot, Ray, and I decided, wow, this is really – I mean, we've got to talk about this. Good. And it was it was a truly standout spot for American Express, uh, created by Ogilvy, New York. And the spot was uh, directed by M. Knight Shamanian. Uh, the, the, it's a two-minute spot. Uh, and uh, it was part of the My Life, My Card campaign. The spot shows 
the director uh, within the spot. He kind of a, a, a cameo, uh, I guess, uh, at a restaurant, and he's uh, variously engaged in mysterious behaviors and settings. And if you if you watched the uh, uh, Oscars, you saw this spot. And I'm not going to bore you with uh, describing it, only to say that that particular director is a very famous director who's also. Uh, directed films such as The Sixth Sense and The Village, and of course, in all of his films, uh, the films end with a uh, particular unusual twist to them. If you saw Sixth Sense, you know that, and The Spot ends with a uh, unusual twist as well. But in this particular case, American Express, when The Spot aired, I'm going to say, I'm going to guess within the first uh, hour, hour and a half of the, the program, I don't recall exactly where that spot aired, but again, if you watched if you watched uh, the uh, Oscars, you saw this spot. Uh, hopefully you saw the spot. The format, being a two-minute format, was, a, I thought, a fantastic strategy. Of course, it cost a little bit more, but it worked very well. The tone, excuse me, the tone and the dr- drama of the uh, spot itself fitted perfectly with the program content. Think about it. Everybody's watching uh, for the honoring of performance, craftsmanship, and production of films, and and performance awards so it had a similarity in in uh, tone uh, as the as was incorporated in the uh, in the spot and number 3 uh, all around no doubt the most memorable well executed spot scene on this year's academy awards and uh, again the idea that it was a, a diversion from their normal a uh, 30-second spot, but it really did end with the uh, American Express signature line, and it's a part of the My Life, My Behavior. Uh, I'm sorry, My Life, My Card campaign. Right. Uh, and so I would like to just extend a congratulations to American Express and Ogilvy uh, for an outstanding job, strategy yeah. and, an, uh, and a likewise an outstanding spot and a great example for this week's Advertiser Showcase. Certainly, it's nice to have a fresh uh, breath of fresh air for advertising as, w- as well as ideas. Sometimes those ideas don't get to uh, come to play. Yeah, uh, Phillips Electronics and its agency Omnicom. Oh. <laughs> I saw that. I saw that. Yes, they, they came up with an idea, a great idea, and it is a mm-hmm. good idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, the movie theater said, "No thanks. Why not do something that its audience will really appreciate?" Okay, the idea was to buy. Uh, the four minutes of screen time that cinemas usually sell to advertisers, we talked about that before, and right. run a 15-second spot that told the audience Phillips was helping the movie start sooner. The only problem was Screen Vision, or the seller of the cinema ads, wouldn't let them do it. They were finding the status quo was a difficult hurdle to leap. A director of uh, brand communications, the guy's name is Eric uh, Plasconos, a Phillips director of brand communications, uh, he actually told Brian Steinberg, who chronicled the uh, failed attempt uh, for what was it be? It would be uh, Tuesday morning's Wall Street Journal. So what they're saying is they're saying they don't want him to do it, but I just don't quite understand why. Why wouldn't they want them to do that? Well, they think it's uh, disparaging their uh, their particular uh, you know medium, which personally I have always been a. Uh, you know, negative on the in, in theater, theater announcements prior to it. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah, and so they think that it would you know tend to be a uh, you know a support for no advertising that kind of goes against their idea. Personally, I thought it was uh, a bit weak on behalf of uh, uh, Screen Vision to not do that, and I thought it was an outstanding job for Phillips, as I know you do as well, Ray. Oh yeah. <laughs> Excuse me, but I don't know why they didn't. Uh, 
you know, well, apparently uh, Phillips said that they've given up on the idea and they've moved on. But Yeah, but they, they want to try it again. It says uh, it definitely seems like the idea has legs in an on-demand world, and, mm-hmm. and I think they're absolutely right. So, hey, guys, put it on the shelf for now, but uh, don't, don't lose it because it's yeah. some good things coming your way. It's a great idea. We've got uh, on the way also Ben Wessler with us next hour for a couple of segments, founder of Ovation In-Store. Uh, OvationAdvantage.com is Ben's website. Ben is in uh, actually in the, on the northern shore of Long Island this weekend. And actually originally born and bred in Brooklyn, New York. So the guy's got some good stuff going there. We've got uh, Patrick Meyer on the way, too. Upside-down media plans. Nope, never heard of those. Uh, Andy Borowitz, NCAA's March Madness as well uh, here, and a whole bunch more, too. Uh, let's see. Go to theadvertisingshow.com. What you're going to find is a lot of great stuff, including a podcast and RSS feeds for a whole bunch of interviews that we've done over the years. You can actually share them with your friends. That's theadvertisingshow.com. It's definitely a global thing. Advertising Show is being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. You can visit them online at adage.com. The Advertising Show is a Big Radio Midgets production. Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. And we are so glad you're back for hour number two of The Advertising Show, being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. You can visit online at adage.com. The Advertising Show, a big radio midgets production, is uh, our special guest this uh, weekend. Is Ben Wessler, founder of Ovation In-Store. OvationAdvantage.com is the uh, website to go to. Ovation does so many cool things. Uh, they've got a Reebok, a Reebok uh, embedded DVD player. They have a thing for Neutrogena. Uh, this is something that uh, reduces installation time from 10 hours to 45 minutes for a setup thing for Neutrogena. Hmm. There was another one in here as well. Where the heck did it go? Hold on. Oh, yeah, Fisher-Price, uh, Better Communications in-store, a 30-second commercial for each product. What a great idea. We're always looking for new and unusual ways to touch uh, consumers, and uh, Ben has a really, really cool company uh, going. It's uh, really neat. It's Ovation in-store. So, here we are, Brad. How are you doing? You know, I'm doing fantastic, and I'd like to say that if I, did it, if I was doing it better, I'd be Ray Shillings, but, yeah. you know, Donald Trump, a guy that has said a few outrageous things in his career, right? Which is okay. There's nothing wrong with that. No, there isn't. No. Uh, he recently, in opinions of a lot of people, including myself, crossed the line with a downright creepy statement. You, you have daughters, Ray. Absolutely. Two daughters. Two daughters, yes. Well, here you go. Donald Trump created a bit of a stir, I would say, on the ABC talk show The View, uh, that he said that if he wasn't her father, meaning his daughter, he'd enjoy dating Ivanka. That's her name, Ivanka. Uh, both Donald and Ivanka uh, <laughs> appeared as guests on the show to promote Ivanka's first appearance as an advisor on her father's uh, apprentice uh, program. The dating comments uh, stemmed from a question about what Trump would think of his daughter uh, once a model if she appeared in Playboy. Uh, if she posed, he said it would be fine. He also said she does have a very nice figure. 
he also said i've i've i have been quoted as saying that if it wasn't if she wasn't my daughter perhaps i'd be dating her that's now, weird. Now this uh, afterward, <laughs> Trump uh. Trump was uh, contacted. This was reported by the New York Post. Uh, con- uh, contacted by the New York Post, uh, Trump assured uh, the Post reporter that he was just kidding around, and that uh, Ivanka and uh, her brother uh, were just you know she's he's just trying to help promote uh, both of his children who happen to be filling in for George and Carolyn as advisors on her fa- on the on their father's. Uh, uh, first several episodes of this uh, of the the apprentice right now so he says he'd date his daughter if she wasn't his, his daughter. daughter now just you know forget about the age difference you know uh, well that's one of those things where you wish you would have thought you thought before you spoke okay yeah he's always uh he's always getting written about whether you like it or not but uh, i well, thought that was kind of creepy he is outspoken and i think you're very right it is very creepy. Yeah. Donald, watch what you say, okay? Yeah. Uh, we've got uh, Ben Wessler on the way here. Why don't we take a break here, Brad, and we'll bring up um, Patrick Meyer, the marketing insider. Something about an upside-down media plan. I wonder if that's like the cake or something. Let's listen. Welcome to Understanding the Future Now. It's the Marketing Insider featuring Patrick Meyer. Today I'm going to talk to you about the upside-down media plan. You're saying, what's an upside-down media plan? Well, you've actually seen a lot of them. Upside-down media plan and upside-down marketing plan. Let me share with you something that happened recently. I'm with a client in the morning listening to research present insights on the consumer and the factors that drive the business. In the afternoon, the team is sharing the overall marketing plan and media plan. They asked for my point of view, and I said, well, let me backtrack here. I went to the easel and I wrote down what I heard in the Insight presentation. Number one driver of purchase was word of mouth at approximately 80% level. The next was the brand experience. In the car category, that would be a test drive. In the cosmetic category, that would be sampling the product. The third was the internet shopping experience at about the 60% level. Then it dropped all the way down to television at 10%, radio at 5%, and print at 5%. So I said to the client, your whole media plan is upside down. You've got all your spending where TV, print and radio are at the 10% to 5% level, but you aren't driving hard against those at the top, word of mouth, the internet, and the brand experience. I said, you need to realign your whole media marketing plan. Here's where my clients are now and most smart marketers. It's going back to the brand experience. What exactly sets you apart that causes the consumer to say, yes, this is what I'm looking for, and then tell five of their friends as well? So start with your brand experience, then reevaluate what do you need to do as a marketing mission? Do you need to get where people are and let them experience it? Do you need to put it in a place where they can experience your brand online but understand its benefits? Do you need to reorient your marketing plan to get to places where they are at retail or at passion point events or other places where they are? Or equally important, to take your current media, TV, network, radio, and build new technologies in it so that they can get involved. I'm Patrick Meyer, and remember... The marketing revolution is now. You've been listening to The Marketing Insider, heard every week here on The Advertising Show. Join us next week for more insight into the future of marketing. It's The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. We're bringing uh, Ben Wessler back, founder of Ovation In-Store. That kind of hits on the same things that Patrick was talking about as well. Uh, yeah. New and innovative approaches to how to get the message out and how to uh, compel consumers to buy your brand. What a concept, eh? We um, uh, here's something I saw. Uh, this is from the Orlando Sentinel, um, and it says companies looking to get the word out on new products may find television to be their greatest ally. Well, that may be true. 
Nearly three out of four consumers learned about new products through television advertising. Uh, while they, while many say the 30-second television spot is dead, I don't believe that. Consumers are telling us they get the most out of their new product information from television advertising. That's Julie Hall saying that she's vice president, consumer practice for Schneider Associates. Uh, still, it doesn't mean consumers are all that good at remembering new products. Well, that's where other things come into play. The survey of 1,000 consumers nationwide found that 57% couldn't actually remember anything that was launched last year. That's not good. But the consumers who did recall debut products remembered uh, the uh, 23%, the Microsoft's Xbox 360, 23% rem- uh, remembered uh, McDonald's fruit and walnut salad, the walnut salad that uh, with fruit that makes you fat. Nineteen uh, percent. Well, it does. It has a lot of carbs and all that kind of stuff. Nineteen uh, percent remembered the launch of Coca-Cola Zero. Eighteen percent of the Hummer H3. I would assume that was that great uh, ad uh, with the kid in the car. Mm-hmm. Uh, and eighteen percent uh, also recalled uh, Coca-Cola with lime. Now, I wouldn't have been able to recall any of those. It's like, oh, yeah, I remember that. Not yeah, me neither. And if you had a Coke with lime in it, it probably had a little rum in it, too, didn't it, right? It would be a good thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Cuba Libra. Cuba Libra. Cuba, no, as Cuba. in Cuba. Yeah. Cuba, Cuba Libra. Yeah. 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 Well, pass that over here. Let's I try was. that. <laughs> I'm, I'm drinking Diet Mountain Dew. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you, you know, you're you're exactly right. It's it's a uh, it's a world. It's a very weird world we live in. And yet, uh, TV is still a decent medium for new product launches and and introductions because it's a high reach medium. What reaches left uh, in television. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. How about bringing him uh, back, uh, Ben, out of the green room for our couple of segments here? I think it's a good idea. On the Advertising Show, it's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Remember, we are at theadvertisingshow.com. For a global experience, you can visit anytime. Check it out. Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. You're at the top secret high karate training school. These trainees are learning how to defend themselves in case they get a high karate gift set for Christmas. That's kind of a teaser classic commercial for high karate. We're talking about fragrances a little bit later on this hour uh, with... uh, uh, the wacky world of marketing. You'll have to stay tuned for that. Hope you were able to uh, stay with us, uh, actually here the first hour, and glad you're still with us for the second hour. Uh, ben Wessler is our special guest, a founder of Ovation In-Store, OvationAdvantage.com, and it's all about catching people, I, I won't say at their most vulnerable, because that's not a great way to put it, but uh, at their most opportune moment to, uh, to make a purchase or make a decision. Ben, welcome back to the Advertising Show. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, let's stay with the fragrance idea, Ray. One of your clients, Ben Aramis, uh, certainly a global skincare brand well-known, a part of the Estee Lauder uh, portfolio, had encountered limited sales support uh, for those who were vaguely familiar with the Aramis brand at the retail level. And you guys had a, a rather interesting uh, solution to this problem. Talk a little bit about the innovative merchandising and kiosk that uh, Ovation in-store created for Aramis. Well, what we developed for them was a totally interactive unit that would enable a consumer to um, learn and identify the products that they might benefit from, whether it was a deodorant, 
shaving cream, body wash, uh, and all types of, of skin treatment. Uh, Aramis was relaunching and is relaunching their brand currently. They, they are active in that program now, and they were looking for a way to bring all of these product benefits to the consumer simply, intelligently, and they also wanted to reach men that maybe weren't too comfortable you know, interacting with a salesperson about products of this nature. They also needed to overcome limited retail sales help. And so the system that we developed for them captures all of their products uh, in, in, in a very, very interesting way. The content is very well designed. Their packaging is beautifully designed. And, and simply stated, this unit brings all of those products to life interactively through very well-designed content directly to, well, what we hope will be many, many, many retail outlets. So are these distributed yet, Ben? They are starting to roll out now. And where would we find these, like in the Macy's? In in Bloomingdale's Mm -hmm. and in Burdines in Florida. Burdines. What would a company like Aramis order in terms of those units that you described, the interactive units? Is that a number of uh, 5, 10, 100? How how many units? Well, it it will be in excess of that. Mm -hmm. I'm not at liberty to say, actually. But but you, you have to figure if they roll it out on a national basis, it's fairly substantial. Yeah. I would imagine, uh, you know, to me, it seems like, uh, I don't know, point, with, with the onset of these uh, point-of-purchase digital advertising devices showing up in, in grocery stores, do, do you think that uh, this effect, uh, the, the shelf placement, do you think the effect of having these uh, uh, units now, and I'm kinda, I think I'm going in a different direction than your larger uh, uh, flat-screen idea that you guys uh, utilize, and maybe you have products such as what I'm describing on a smaller scale. Talking but these, about the coupon things or something? Well, no, these shelf talkers that uh, they used to be called shelf talkers when they and were they just... still are. Is that right? Yeah. Well, and, and of course, I'm, I'm envisioning more of a shelf talker that's uh, digital, that's uh, going to be uh, grabbing the attention of someone going uh, by a particular uh, line of products with a short message and a message that hopefully would engage the consumer to maybe uh, at least become more knowledgeable about that product and maybe purchase the product. Well, what you're describing is is our units that we are currently developing for several packaged goods companies. They are small units. They've got uh, five- or seven-inch flat screens. They are battery-driven, and they deliver information about the product simply and specifically. They are not necessarily interactive, but you press a button and you get the information you need about what probably is a range of products rather than a, rather than a specific product. We, we also use the small screen formats for our toy clients, Fisher-Price being, being a very, very good example. They have limited shelf space. Usually their products are in very large boxes. They need to be able to demonstrate these products are, are interactive children's learning toys. And so they need to be able to demonstrate to the parent who's making really the, the final decision the efficacy of the toy as a learning tool. And so we have small screen interactive formats that deliver commercials and information about the product. You know, at, at the retail level, I'm not telling anyone, I'm not saying anything here that most of our listeners don't already know, but at the retail level, uh, shelf placement is uh, paramount to, uh, and everyone struggles for wanting uh, uh, 
uh, premier shelf placement of their products. Anything but at the bottom, right? Exactly. And I'm curious, uh, Ben, well, you talked about retailers uh, partnering up with brands. Does the fact that a manufacturer contracts with a company like your own to develop a, a small digital device, does that impact the placement of that particular manufacturer's products on the shelf? Well, in many cases, it gets some better placement. Particularly if they if they create the kinds of whether it's an interactive device, a mechanical device, or just uh, a shelf organizer, something that will uh, allow the product to be presented properly and will communicate some information to the consumer. Uh, a well done display, uh, a well thought out solution will always create, and this happens to be our tagline: will always create retail advantage. And that's what we look to do for our clients. You're looking to sell product, is what you're We're looking to sell product. We're looking to give them that that three-second advantage over the competition for the brands that we work for. You know, you talk about the the few seconds, and it's well known that brands only have a few seconds to make a connection with a retail consumer. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about some of the latest strategies in getting the attention of the consumer and engaging with the consumer uh, beyond just simply some of the the ideas that we've talked about so far. Well, you know, I think that what we have discussed so far is really uh, probably first and foremost now, but there are still uh, displays out there that um, that use motion, simple old motion motors. They move, they dance, they attract the consumer. Mm-hmm. Um, floor stands that are very, very well designed that intercept their consumer on their way through the store. And, and you know, over the years, there have been less and less of these really beautifully designed um, uh, cosmetic and skin care units that you used to see in drugstores, uh, I'm starting to see kind of a return to that idea. Really beautifully designed product displayers, particularly for uh, new brand introductions or new product introductions. And if you look at um, Gillette's new launch with this fusion blade, mm-hmm. the, the amount of display and, and the placement of display is, is really incredible. Uh, Gillette seems to do this uh, incredibly well whenever they launch a new razor. Uh, I think they've done a beautiful job with Fusion. And they haven't wasted any money on traditional advertising as well. They're just doing a real good job of uh, closing the sale when they get this stuff on the in-store side. Well, that's really true. P&G has identified that, that they have to be spending more money at retail, engaging the consumer in, you know, what was always called... Um, euphemistically, the moment of truth. Really? And, you know, let me ask you something. It's a supplemental uh, effort, isn't it? I mean, it's never, a, seconds as well. it's never a singular strategy of, of doing a point of purchase. It's, it's more of a supplemental, wouldn't you say? And we're wrapping it up this segment. Well, I think that in the past we have always been a supplemental strategy. I think now uh, retail is a primary strategy for most, for most brands. Is it should be. The Advertising Show, Ray Schillens, Brad Forsyth. Thank you, Ben. Uh, founder of Ovation In-Store. Hey, Brad, there's a, a billboard in our home market of uh, Houston, Texas on uh, 59, it's called. It's a, a Honda, what's it, the Element. And it says, mm-hmm. to find out to find out what uh, the Honda Element has in, you know, or talks to an armadillo tuned to 
a particular radio station frequency, hmm. low-power transmitter. I think it's kind of cool. A lot of Have cool stuff. Have you done that? No, I haven't, as a matter of fact, yeah. but I, I, I plan on. We've got uh, uh, the wacky world of marketing on the way here in just a few moments, and we'll spend more time with Ben Wessler on the advertising show. Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth, and a whole bunch more this hour in just a minute. And now, it's time for the Wacky World of Marketing. Wacky World of Marketing. Here's your host, Bruce Abbott. Smell like a desperate housewife. Our Wacky Update comes from Broadcasting and Cable Magazine, where Disney and ABC are developing a perfume inspired by the hit show Desperate Housewives. The yet unnamed scent to be produced by fragrance company Cody will be available in department stores this fall. ABC has had success in perfume before after Enchantment and All My Children perfume became one of Walmart's best-selling fragrances in late 2004. ABC Daytime launched All My Children Fusion, an entire line of cosmetics at the store. Now, Cody has previously worked on scents for celebrities, including Jennifer Lopez and Sarah Jessica Parker, fashion designers including Marc Jacobs and Calvin Klein, and brands including Adidas and Nautica. And that, my friends, is the wacky world of marketing. This program was written and produced by Bruce Abbott, executive producer of The Advertising Show. Join us next time when we uncover the strange, the bizarre, and unfortunately, the true wacky world of marketing. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. Just when you must. Take some money and take all you want, right? <laughs> Wonder yeah. if they're responsible for the national debt. Probably so. Mm-hmm. It's a household finance and a classic spot with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, our special guest, Ben Weschler, out of New York, founder of Ovation in Store. It's OvationAdvantage.com. Now, I, Brad, I even get a kick out of the uh, uh, the local food stores that uh, have the motion-sensing audio. That, uh, for instance, when you walk into the dairy area, uh, you've got chickens clucking, or you walk by the meats and you've got, like, cattle mooing mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I think that's really cool. Obviously, yeah. this is a much higher-level thing, uh, right. and it's exciting to see. Ben, welcome back to the show. Thank you. You know, last time you and I were in the grocery store, I think you were over there on aisle eight uh, trying to make sounds at an old lady, and she had you arrested, wasn't it, right? Yeah, but they dropped the charges, Brad. Oh, that's so, true. Uh, she asked you if you could go over to her house and make those uh, same noises the later dog that the dial, okay? Yeah, <laughs> that's <ended>. true. <laughs> you know, uh, Ben, a few years ago, I, I think we were all reading about these shopping carts that had uh, touchscreen oh, yeah. monitors and that they would allow consumers to not only... Uh, see what particular aisle a product was located, but it would also include uh, ads such as new products in store. Uh, sure. Bring us up to date. What, what, what's the status on, on this uh, new technology? Well, I think that the, the technology has advanced. I don't see uh, a great deal of usage but uh, yet, but the technology has advanced to a point where you can actually as you as you load your shopping cart, you're actually paying your bill because everything everything that you put in is being scanned as you put it in, and so you're running up your tab. You know exactly what you're spending as you wheel through the store, That's and of course enough. there are promotion promotional messages that that are provided as well as uh, price off deals and uh, and suggestions menu suggestions. I mean it's 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 
it's actually pretty complex. Um, I don't know that it's that it's such a, a great answer. I think that on some level the consumer wants to be left alone once in a while to just kind of think things through. But um, but it is it is a technology that continues to evolve. But as I said, I don't see it. Uh, I, I just don't see any depth right now. You know, one of the biggest uh, issues right now for in-store merchandising as it relates to signage and so forth is, I think, uh, uh, the the question about measurement. You know, technology uh, has changed so much in recent years, yet I think there's still some uh, challenges within the industry to determine a uh, widely acceptable metric for uh, for for media buyers and those that can influence those dollars uh, to be able to recommend and and put in uh, put in a, a quantifiable way recommendations for for clients, where are we with uh, measurements for for signage in store? Well, you know, um, I mentioned earlier that P and G was very very involved in, in in investigating retail and developing better better programs for retail. Um, one of the things that they are laboring to do now is to develop methodologies that will measure and quantify um, retail messaging and display. And, and this is, I don't think this is being done in a negative way. It's not being done as a challenge. It's being done to enhance the discipline. One of, one of the components of our systems is, is that on, on a certain level, we can measure sales lift. Our, our interactive units, our scanning units and our touchscreen interactive units can actually tell you what was scanned. We can't tell you if it was purchased, but if you, if you tie the information that we draw down and give to our clients, when they tie it to the sales numbers, they can develop a comprehensive correlation. We also can measure the amount of uh, consumers, the density of consumers engaged with the product as a result of these interactive displays. So it's really, you know, it just continues, it just continues to, to grow and technology continues to provide more opportunities to do a better job at retail. Sure does. You know, I'm, I'm curious, you know, when it comes to these uh, these projects that you get, in a lot of cases there's already a strategy in mind, and, and they look to a company like your own mm-hmm. to uh, execute that strategy. And, by the way, if you want to learn more about Ben uh, Wessler's company, OvationAdvantage.com is a great place to go. It's got some great examples of your work there, Ben, and your, your firm's work. Uh, Thank you. I, I would think that uh, C-stores, convenience stores, would be a great environment to test new technologies with high volumes of shoppers that C-stores tend to attract. Are there places where you guys uh, uh, do some uh, real-world testing of any of these uh, units that you develop? Well, we are. We, these units and our technologies are constantly in test, either with a with a retail partner or a brand partner or a combination of both. You know, you mentioned C stores. C stores are commonly regarded as hop-ins. You know, you, you, you hop in there mm-hmm. for you get gas, you get coffee. Uh, you know, you get a pack of cigarettes, um, but it's an in-and-out idea. One of one of the things that we think is a remarkable opportunity is to be able to communicate very adroitly to that consumer, very succinctly to that consumer, so that 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 point of sale message is instant, it's impactful, it's informative, and and more than likely you're going to get a plus 
sale out of it. And you're going to get that consumer to spend more time in the store. I could just see one made for somebody who's robbing a convenience store. Hmm. Uh, drop the weapon and uh, leave, please. That's where you need the webcam. <laughs> that's, yes, that's a fact. Hey, Ben, we are, uh, we are just about out of time here. I uh, want to invite you to go to OvationAdvantage.com. That's the uh, website of uh, founder Ben Wessler, Ovation in-store. And, Ben, it's been a pleasure having you here on the advertising show today. Thanks a bunch. Well, thank you. It's been my pleasure. Go visit his site. It's great. Back in just a minute. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Hi, I'm Joe, and this is Tommy, and we love Kellogg's Frosted Flakes. We uh, head into the wilderness every fall to uh, get in touch with our Tony. Our <laughs> and and after, after seeing, I uh, actually didn't see it, but hearing about the experience of Brookback, Brookback Mountain, that uh, takes on a whole new meaning, boys and girls. <laughs> and uh, I, was, I was glad, no, I wasn't glad, but I was happy to see that kind of the spotlight had been taken off of that so that you could have a little bit more fair of a judge of the stuff out there to dish out the uh, the Oscars, you know? Well, I was on a plane recently and saw uh, Walk the Line with... Uh, oh, yeah, right. Witherspoon and uh, uh, Walking uh, uh, Phoenix. Uh, yeah. You're right. Yeah, exactly. And uh, uh, thought, that, uh, thought that it was an outstanding uh, portrayal of Johnny Cash by... Uh, is it Joaquin Phoenix? Yeah, that's I it, think right? that's who it is. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and Witherspoon does an outstanding job of June Carter. And I must tell you, uh, I was just, uh, I was blown away. I'm not a big country and western fan, uh, uh, music fan, but yet uh, it was a really nice portrayal, very well written, very well acted, and uh, was glad to see that she got uh, mm-hmm. uh, Best Actress, a leading role. Congratulations to her. I'm not a country and western fan either. Of course, if you... Uh, are out of the Houston market, you don't know that the world's largest rodeo is going on uh, here in Houston, uh, the mm-hmm. Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. And I had a chance to see Martina McBride there last weekend. And it was good. Very, very good. I've always felt that uh, the bunking bronco, bucking bronco rides are to men what the uh, 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 pommel horse is to women in gymnastics. <laughs> Oh. There's a relationship between those oh. two. I don't know what it is, but there's some kind of uh, relationship. The best one, I thought, was the barrel races. I thought it was really cool. And yeah, there's a, that's such a uh, lame event, Ray. I mean, all they do, they, there's no real action. It's all the horse. It's not even the rider. Well, I, I mean, they put, a, they put a monkey on, on one of those little things and make him run around. Remember? No, you get, they got the wrong one, okay? That's, oh, it is? No, that's not the barrel. <laughs> no, the barrel races are three barrels. They place them, and they have to ride at full speed around these three barrels for time. Yeah. It's actually yeah, quite cool to watch the horses do that. One year, you were the clown in one of those barrels, weren't you? Yeah, right. <laughs> I won that at the lottery. It was a, an office thing. <laughs> uh, hey, um, television choices for Latinos uh, mm-hmm. means watching what you want, when you want to see it. You know, with the, the video on demand. Right. And uh, the DVRs and so on and so forth. Uh, Philip Woody, who was a director of multicultural sales at Comcast Spotlight, 
Comcast Cor- uh, Corp's ad sales division says you'll find that overall Hispanics are very good adopters of new technology. Okay, mm-hmm. and currently they say he says about half of the 11 million U.S. Hispanic households, half of the 11 million U.S. Hispanic households subscribe to cable or satellite. With a total penetration of 70.3 percent, broken down by analog 36.3 and digital. Uh, 16 and ADS 18.9 or alternative delivery systems such as satellite uh, according to the uh, Nielsen Hispanic Television Index. The companies are amping up services with Hispanic packages and uh, savvy advertisers are waiting to uh, to jump on board. Uh, 8.5 million digital VOD enabled Hispanic households in the United States is what they're saying. So uh, if you're if you're talking to Hispanics uh, you need to know this stuff, okay? Right. It's Branded Entertainment is the uh, website that uh, we got this from. Well, you, know, you were mentioning uh, Brokeback Mountain earlier. Uh, apparently, uh, and in keeping with uh, our worldwide audience and keeping them in touch with the latest news, Google has been asked to explain why the name of premiership footballer Ashley Cole has been linked to the word gay in Internet search results. Lawyers acting for the Arsenal and England defender uh, hmm. want to uh, w- want the internet company to disclose why typing his name into a search engine generates C results for Ashley Cole Gay. The footballer has brought a libel suit uh, against the news as well as the Sun over the stories about allegedly uh, over a story allegedly bisexual but unnaming uh, a story about bisexuals but uh, ale- uh, <clears throat> excuse me not uh, naming particular premiership football players. So uh, they're suggesting that there is no connection that Mr. Cole is gay and that he (laughs) was not named uh, in any of the stories, but they're suggesting that perhaps by uh, putting his name in there that that's how it's getting connected back to to a link that mentions being gay. That's good. And yeah, I've, I've Googled us before, and there's no link there, and that's a good thing, okay? No link on gay? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, good. I'm still married, and so are you. Yes, exactly right. To women, by Jack. To by women, way. and we love very much, absolutely. Yes. And we're going to tell you who's uh, coming up next week uh, here in uh, just a moment, and we've got Andy Borowitz on the way. Andy? And uh, speaking of Andy, uh, Barney Fife passed away this yeah. uh, this past week. Or What a great actor. Say. Yeah, we'll miss him, no doubt about that. Uh, TV Land did a whole marathon with uh, Don Knotts stuff as well, too. It's cool. More on the way with The Advertising Show. It's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth at theadvertisingshow.com. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. You know, considering the fact that we are such animal lovers, I always like to throw in a kennel ration or a food, a dog spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, spot, get it? Mm-hmm. Uh, as one of our classic spots on the advertising show. It, it was fun talking with Ben this week, and we do invite you to go uh, check that out. Who knows what he might be able to do for uh, for your business. Uh, just a, an amazing amount of stuff. I think the thing that really uh, interested me the most is the fact that these things are uh, uh, wireless connected, and they're downloadable from the uh, you know from his site with new content and everything. What a great idea! 
Yeah. What a great idea. We Keeps got those to, advertisers' ability to update their spots or their message, rather, is uh, on a whim and do it quickly and all of that. By the way, uh, Donald Trump just called in. He said he is dating his daughter now. Well, we He'll be divorcing that. his wife, uh, well, his third wife, I think. What's yeah. her name? I don't know. Yeah, foreign girl. Wife number three. He likes the foreigners. Yeah, he does. Well, yeah, yeah. The, the ones with the unusual names, right? True. There you go. That's Not Ivana, but Ivanka. Ivanka. Ivanka what? Ivanka. I want Ivanka my date to my sister. I mean, my daughter. <laughs> Ivanka divorced. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Here's some more uh, Here's some more fake news, okay? Uh, at least, well, you, you be the judge. Let's listen to it. Hi. This is Andy Borowitz for The Advertising Show. And now, here's this week's feature from The Borowitz Report. The National Collegiate Athletic Association stunned the sports world this past week by announcing that its annual college basketball tournament, known to its fans as March Madness, will henceforth be known as March Bipolar Disorder. The name change, which both surprised and outraged devotees of the annual ritual, came after the National Institute of Mental Health demanded that the NCAA drop the madness tag. Fans across the country argued that March Bipolar Disorder did not have the same ring to it. A spokesperson for the NIMH said that the new name was more clinically accurate. Each year, the tournament produces extreme mood swings in both its players and its fans, said spokesperson Carol Foyler. In our view, those symptoms are consistent with bipolar disorder. Even as tournament purists complained that the NCAA had caved into the medical community, sports marketing expert Colby Teague said that the name change could open the door to new sponsorship opportunities from the manufacturers of bipolar disorder medications, such as Eli Lilly. I could see a scenario where next year it's called Zyprexa, March Bipolar Disorder, he said. Among bipolar college basketball fans like Devin Trailer of Chapel Hill, North Carolina, reaction to the controversial name change was mixed. I was very excited about the new name yesterday, but today I'm not. Elsewhere, according to a report by the International Journal of Pediatric Obesity, half the children in North and South America will be overweight by 2010. The other half will pick on them. This is Andy Borowitz, and this has been a special edition of the Borowitz Report from the Advertising Show. To read more reports or to receive daily email alerts, log on to borowitzreport.com. This is Andy Borowitz saying... Keep it fake, baby. Well, I think Andy's picked up on something very important there, okay? Uh, huh. uh, bipolar. Bipolar madness. No, it's, uh, what is it called? Uh, whatever March it's Madness. Called. Yeah, it's not March Madness anymore. It's not right. being politically correct. And we certainly would not not want to be that. So, haven't had Andy back on the CNN's American Morning. <laughs> no. But uh, maybe he's been out of town, you know? You know, whenever I hear March Madness coming up, I think of all the car dealers that are going to be doing March Madness sales. And uh, never really understood why car dealers had March Madness sales because, you know, there are only a certain number of people that are into the college basketball tournaments and, right, and right. Uh, all that stuff. Right. But apparently the uh, the uh, car dealers think that they're on to something here because they have March Madness sales. So, you know, if you're shopping for a car, you might want to wait for the March Madness sale mm-hmm. uh, because that's always a great way to get a good bargain on a new car. And if you believe that... You need to go. You need to go somewhere. <laughs> you need to talk to somebody. Yeah, these prices will never be lower. Uh, we've pulled out all the stops, and uh, you'll Buy never before. you'll never see these prices again ever. 
Well, at least you won't because you're going to buy it and then you'll be out of the market and they'll raise the price. <laughs> you'll be upside down and then you, yeah. yeah, that's fine. Not a problem. Hey, talking about uh, children and uh, junk food and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, in uh, January, a consumer advocacy group said it planned to file a lawsuit against Nickelodeon and Kellogg uh, for marketing junk food to young children. And while no action has been taken, the threat has the ad community on notice. How very interesting. Some of the food vendors that have been targeted are a bit of a wild card because you don't have any idea which uh, way it'll fall out, they say. Uh, uh, Media Vest Worldwide, uh, the, uh, then again, the uh, targeted ones generally aren't involved with the hard eight. Uh, what, what is the hard eight? I don't understand mm, that. Do well, you know what that means? I do, but I can't say it on the radio. Okay, me neither. Uh, but yeah. w- what they're saying, this is hurting the upfront advertising because they're not sure what's going to happen here. Really? Oh, very interesting. So, you know, uh, I don't know. Again, I, I, really, I, I really can't fault Nickelodeon or, uh, or Kellogg or McDonald's or anybody mm-hmm. like that for adver- advertising. Come on. Yeah. You know, get control of the situation here, folks. You know, if uh, I I, I agree with you 100%, Ray. And by the way, uh, next week, uh, with next week's show, I think you and I need to get a room. Get a room? Why is that? Separately, of course. Uh, Oh, I see. Yeah, double. We'll do the the, uh, king-size beds at the Hilton Hotels. Exactly. I think that would be fine. Uh, Jeff Diskin is a senior vice president of brand performance. So uh, Hilton Hotels, they're not the ones that have the uh, Tempur-Pedic or the air blow-up mattresses. They've just been around for a long time, and they're global as well. And they mm-hmm. do a pretty good job at that as well. So that'll be good. And that's uh, next week on the advertising show. Yeah, they've got a new campaign out, and they've got some uh, branding that they're doing with the, the Hilton name and some of the names that you uh, associate with the Hilton brand. And uh, it should be an interesting uh, departure from our normal uh, conversation, uh, which is usually marketing and advertising hot shots and big wigs and to be able to specialize and talk about the hospitality business yeah that's next week on the advertising show you can go uh, here in just a little while uh and actually uh, capture a podcast of today's show the rss feeds are up there the uh, company is shipple.com that helps us do that and by the way we didn't mention it before but shipple has this cool thing called tendency it really allows you to get into your website and do a lot of maneuvering with things and use it as a really cool marketing tool so go to shipple.com that's s-c-h-i-p-u-l.com okay hope you can be with us next week the advertising show brought to you by advertising age magazine visit online at adage.com and we will talk to you next week this is a big radio midgets production <laughs>